0: You actually want me to introduce you? Well, I mean, if I got to walk all the way from the back. I think you were just being lazy and you were hanging out way in the back. You got to walk faster. All right. All right. This is my friend, Aww. Pastor Mark. Appreciate he's that. Gonna, he's going to do a pretty good job today uh, being able to deliver the message. Good news is even when he fails, God will still succeed. That's great. Do you want me to say anything else? <laughs> That's good. Oh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah. All, all right, right. All right. Yeah. All right. Yeah. All right, buddy. Appreciate you. <laughs> Appreciate that help. Well, good morning, everybody. Thanks for being here, everybody online. Great. Thanks for tuning in. So we started uh, Lent, you know, six weeks ago, uh, looking at different places of the Passion, and we started actually with Jerusalem. Jesus was talking about Jerusalem. he's was lamenting. He, Jesus was just lamenting, "Please, just repent. Just repent from your sins and turn and follow me." And now here we are, getting the end of Lent, and we're actually all the way back at Jerusalem again. It is Palm Sunday, and so not just anywhere in Jerusalem, but very specifically what's called the Golden Gate. It is the only eastern gate, the only access from the east to the Temple Mount. It's one of only two gates in the old city wall that allowed access again from the east. It was sealed in the Middle Ages. It is... uh, uh, according to Jewish tradition, this is the gate that the Messiah will come through to enter Jerusalem. And actually, Christians and Muslims agree that this was the actual gate that Jesus rode through on Palm Sunday. The Messiah did, in fact, uh, enter Jerusalem as prophesied. That's a big celebration. It's a big, uh, it's an incredible parade, right? It's, a, it's, it's this amazing uh, loud, exciting, just so much energy in the scene. It made me think about uh, what happens when the President of the United States comes to town. Have you seen this on TV? Have you ever been uh, maybe on the street when the motorcade went by? Just a couple of people. Well, I, I get to volunteer a little bit as a chaplain with the Secret Service. And so a couple summers ago, president came to phoenix and i got to get the grand tour it was just mind blowing of how much goes in to just moving the president uh, even a domestic trip the support the logistics the firepower the medical uh, the legal the communications mm-hmm. counter snipers counter assault teams it, it is just staggering how many people and how much effort goes into this? And just imagine, you wanna take your family down to the route that he's going to be traveling to, for his uh, you know, speaking engagement. And so you get down to the street where he's gonna drive by, you got your chair set up, you're right next to the barricade. And the, as you're sitting there, the, the traffic starts to thin out slowly and slowly, fewer and fewer cars on the road. And then this helicopter f- buzzes overhead. <laughs> hey, maybe the, the president's leaving his location. He's probably en route now. The street gets eerily empty. You've never seen this highway completely empty before. The anticipation starts to build, and you see some red and blue lights flashing. And as he gets closer, it's this police motorcycle just zooms by you so fast. And everything's quiet for another five minutes. And again, the excitement is building. People are starting to stand up. They think, okay, it must be soon. You're leaning forward in your seat, trying to see what's coming. Two more police squad cars come. Again, flying by in the swoosh of air, kind of pushes you back, blows your hair. And now you're like, okay, he's really close now. And you look and as you see coming around the corner, you see some vehicles and you look and you think you can see. What do you think you can see? The beast. Oh, some of you know the, the limo's name, yeah. Right, you've seen this, you've seen this before. For a person of such prestige, even the vehicles that they are in, right, proclaim this power, the honor, the glory of the prestige of his office. The limousine is a tank. It is unbelievable I saw stuck my head in it the doors are this thick this thick like bomb proof Air Force One is a symbol of American power and glory all around the world it is so impressive and I'm telling you I I was there with the you know the whole team and even the biggest baddest like SWAT officers we were like, oh, will you take my picture? You, I'll take your picture if you take my picture in front of the plane, I want a selfie with the plane. I mean, everybody was just like, this is so cool. And nothing's changed since Bible times. Right, when a king would conquered a nation or a general conquered a city, they returned home to a celebration. The people would come out of their houses to meet them. They would shout their victory and praise to the, to the victor. And since they didn't have paper for a ticker tape parade, they used palm branches to wave and to praise and to show their excitement for the king. And the, the king would be riding in this glorious chariot. Or maybe on a magnificent steed, a horse of war, something that showed off his honor and his glory and his power to the people's obvious that this was a victory parade and so on palm sunday when jesus comes through the golden gate into the old city of jerusalem crowds of people are following him crowds of people in the city many people there for the passover came to see all of the excitement They're waving palm branches. They're shouting, Hosanna! Hosanna in the highest! He is the king of Israel! And there is celebration. And it is so clear that this is a victory parade. Except the donkey. Jesus is riding on a donkey. Now, I don't know what you were thinking as you were imagining the presidential motorcade finally rounding the corner and about to pass you by through all these black SUVs and military vehicles and armored vehicles, and then here comes the president in an AMC Gremlin (laughs) or a Yugo. I mean, Jesus is on a donkey, but the disciples didn't notice and you see, the donkey was the key to just what kind of victory parade this is. The donkey is the key to understanding who Jesus was coming to defeat. And it, we read it in verse 16. It said, at first his disciples did not understand all this. It was only after he was glorified that they realized, oh, that's what happened on Palm Sunday. The donkey, I should have noticed it. I mean it stuck out like a sore thumb if you've ever seen a victory parade before so if we want to know the kind of victory jesus came to jerusalem to win we need to understand who were jesus's enemies was uh rome one of jesus's enemies well the people of the day surely hoped so Many believed so. They wanted Jesus to overthrow the Roman oppressors. They wanted Jesus to reestablish the glory of the kingdom of David. They didn't want to ever be oppressed or or, uh, in servitude to anybody else ever again. A new kingdom forever with King Jesus at the helm. And, I mean, in one sense, you could certainly say uh, that The Romans were one of Jesus' enemies. I mean, they did nail him to a cross. But there was an even greater enemy. Maybe surprising, but his own people turned out to be enemies to him. The religious leaders, the Pharisees and scribes and Sadducees, they were so jealous and so angry at what Jesus had done and just before Palm Sunday, just this is the week before, uh, Jesus did an incredible miracle. You, you, I'm sure you've heard of this, right? Uh, Lazarus. So Lazarus was a friend of his and Mary and Martha, brothers and sister. And, and Lazarus had died and he, he was in, in, in the grave. They put him in the tomb. He'd been there for four days when Jesus comes to Bethany. And Jesus says, all right, I want to see him and he's going to open the grave and they say no Jesus please don't he stinketh that's the king james translation he stink don't open that grave he's been dead for a few days and then in one simple command Lazarus come out and his friend Lazarus came back to life incredible There's no wonder so many people were following him. So many people were praising him. So many people were excited about him and what he could do. They just missed the donkey. So yes, the Romans, yes, his own people, but we still haven't gone far enough in naming the enemies of Jesus. The reason why the Pharisees and the Romans were doing the things that they were doing were jealousy, the leaders, the Pharisees, were already talking about during Palm Sunday victory pray. They're amongst themselves, blaming each other. See, you've done nothing. The whole world is going after him. They're not listening to us anymore. Jealousy, fear. They were afraid that uh, Jesus was going to start some rebellion and the Rome was going to come in and just squash all of them. And they were going to lose their position of prestige and, and power. Hatred, oh, they hated that Jesus told them they had to change their lives. They should follow him now. Greed, Jesus had had taken away their money-making schemes in the temple, and anger, just seething anger about everything Jesus said and everything Jesus did. Now this list kind of hits close to home, doesn't it? because these are our enemies still today. We call it sin. It's that dark place in our hearts, our minds. It's that which infects our entire world and it makes it a horrible place, a disgusting place where horrible things happen to people. We wrestle with it too in our own hearts as well. Jealousy, fear, hatred, greed, anger, There's still one more enemy of Jesus, the greatest enemy of all, actually. I'm gonna use a cartoon to illustrate it. One of my favorite cartoons, actually, Non-Sequoiter. Anybody like Non-Sequoiter? Not out anymore, all right. So the caption says, the inevitable, inevitable navigation system. There's a car that's been driven into an open grave and the GPS says, You've now arrived at your destination. <laughs> use humor to point out the obvious. Death is the enemy that we all face. So, who were the enemies of Jesus? Who was he going to defeat? What was this victory parade really all about? Jesus was coming to take on our worst enemies, the darkness within our own hearts fear and anger and hatred and greed and jealousy and evil and everything else that destroys our world and destroys our own hearts. Jesus would face it head on. On a donkey. Seems weird because a donkey is not really an animal of war and this donkey is the first time anybody ridden on. It's never certainly been in a war before. It's insignificant. It's, it's I mean, it's a donkey. So how would Jesus go into battle? Yes, on a donkey. He would go in to the enemies as a humble prince of peace, symbol of the donkey, humility and peace. And in humility and in peace, he took the worst of everything that our enemies could throw at him. And he willingly went to the cross to pay the penalty for those sins, which is death, it's death. Willingly, humbly, and out of an incredible, I can't even measure the amount of compassion and love that Jesus has for you, for each and every one of you. So how did Jesus gain the victory? Well, about three in the afternoon of Good Friday, hanging on the cross, when he breathed his last, the whole world went dark. And I just know, I just know that his enemies, the demonic forces, were celebrating. They were having a little victory parade of their own. They thought, aha, we got him. He's not going to be a nuisance around here anymore. He's not going to be healing people. He's not going to be preaching God's word to people. Finally stopped him. But we know something different, don't we? We know that three days later, right, the stone that was rolled away. We know the light that broke forth on Easter morning casts out all the darkness in our own hearts. We know his victory over hatred and anger and jealousy and greed that he won for us on the cross. And we know of a Savior who rose from the dead to defeat death, the greatest enemy forever and ever. And the victory parade continues today. All around the world, Ever since the first Palm Sunday through today all around the world, billions and billions of followers of Jesus celebrate and worship the Lord and the Savior of all people. And today, when we sing our praises, we are adding to the voices of that first celebration. When we offer a prayer, we raise the volume of the cheering and the praise of our Savior and when we follow Jesus today in devotion and service, we are joining the throngs that followed Jesus from the very first Palm Sunday throughout time to today. It is a victory parade that we're in. And it's a victory parade that we're going to stay in. You see, the, uh, the cartoon actually had it wrong. Uh, the inevitable GPS system will take us to that last enemy, death, but that is not our destination. Huh? Our final destination is joining this victory parade in heaven with all of the saints, with all of our loved ones to sing and to rejoice in a heavenly bliss forever and ever. Hosanna, Hosanna in the highest. Praise be to our King our Savior and our Lord. Amen, amen. Amen. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for the gift of your salvation that you won for us on the cross. We thank you for the resurrection from the dead that defeats death for us and for our loved ones for all time and grants us eternal life with you. Help us to follow you more closely Uh, in the days and the weeks ahead in our lives uh, to serve you in loving devotion and to share your good news by the things we do, by the words that we speak, the prayers that we offer uh, with the people around us and for their salvation too. In Jesus' name we pray and praise you. Amen.